They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Hello and welcome to the show. If you're enjoying it and want an ad-free experience, consider signing up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash the101podcast get early access and exclusive content on there as well for less than the cost of a cup of coffee links to ways of supporting the show are in the description thank you so much for listening and enjoy this episode welcome to the one-on-one podcast with your host Juan ayala this mystery of life is multi-dimensional it's interdimensional, it's way beyond the physical, and guess what? So are we, because we're one with all of this. We're part of all of this. So what I'm, what I'm suggesting is that I truly think, Juan, that the next great scientific revolution is a, the revolution in our science of consciousness. Our understanding of consciousness, where we're going from this materialist, like brain-based understanding, to a way different one of non-local consciousness to use like the, the, the language from quantum physics or, or this idea that consciousness is fundamental. There's something to who and what we are that's beyond the physical. And in these psychedelic states, in these non-ordinary states, it's like the doors of perception open and some part of us is freed up to see and travel beyond this physical organism, right? This is the next great frontier. This is what we, we could say the ultimate frontier. People have been saying for decades that space is the final frontier. No, it's not. Consciousness is. There's an infinite ocean to be explored within every single one of us. And it's multidimensional. It's interdimensional. Like we are, I truly believe it. We are multidimensional beings existing in a multidimensional mystery of existence with infinite other planes and realms and dimensions beyond 3D physical and some if used in in a correct way and safely responsibly in the right set and setting yes absolutely these psychedelic substances can be tools tools for tapping into these non-ordinary states where we're beginning the very exciting incredible revolutionary project of beginning to map out what is beyond the physical Welcome back to another episode of the One One Podcast. I'm your host as always, and today I'm joined by a very, very special guest. But before that, make sure to follow me on social media at the One One Podcast, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff, YouTube, 
I do have a Patreon as well. Probably repeated myself. You know where to find me. All the descri- all the links are in the description below. And today we have an OG of the podcast. Somebody who I podcasted with at the very beginning of my journey. February of 2020 is when, we, when I aired the first episode I did with this guy. And he's back again. I was reaching back out to him just to see how he was because it's been a minute since we last talked. But this is the man who introduced me to psychedelics, to consciousness, to all that good stuff. What up, Jonas? How you doing, man? Oh, what up, man? It is great to be back. And huge shout out to you. Like, so much respect to you for all the work that you've been putting in over, you know, crazy that it's been, what, two years since since that first conversation or two years, you know, a little bro. more. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, clearly you've come a, a really long way and really kept at it. So awesome to be back here. Awesome, dude. Yeah. And where, where can people find you? You have a great YouTube channel. That's how I found you. And I don't even know. I Now I know. I was looking up like DMT entities type of stuff. And that's where I came across your work. Can you let people know where they can find you? And, and I'll plug that as well in the description. But I like for the people to say it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. So I've, I've got a YouTube channel. It's called uh, Cosmic Consciousness with Jonas. And a few different projects that I work on. So uh, I've also got a company and a website called Intervision Psychedelics, uh, intervisionpsychedelics.com, where I offer services and integration coaching around the psychedelic experience. Um, I do this full time and I, I work for a legal uh, psychedelic retreat center down in, in Jamaica, working with psilocybin mushrooms and, and other plant medicines. I've been doing this for a couple of years. And uh, so I also, in addition to my YouTube channel, offer just consulting and, and uh, uh, integration services around the psychedelic experience. Awesome. And make sure to send me those links so I can post them. And can you tell us a little bit about you, Jonas? Because, I mean, we go back to episode four, bro. And I'm already on episode yeah. 100 and something. So it's been a little bit. But can you introduce yourself for the people who are maybe first being coming on my show, finding this episode for whatever reason? Welcome. And for the people who have never heard of you, uh, tell us a little bit about what got you started on your journey with psychedelics. Because you were the one that inspired me to grow my own psilocybin and have <laughs> a hell of a first trip. And I haven't done it since, bro. I've been telling you, I haven't done it since. And I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I don't want to say never, because I do want to try DMT. But what got you started in all this, this field of, of using psychedelics as therapy? Oh, man, where do we even begin? Uh, well, this has been, yeah, a process of like more than a decade for me. So uh, it was honestly really my, my, my first experience with psilocybin mushrooms that changed my life in a pretty profound way. And just, uh, you know, it wasn't like it instantly healed me of all, all my life's issues and, and changed everything overnight, but it instantly fascinated me. The effects were so profound and so meaningful and just opened my eyes to such a, a novel way of looking at life uh, where I really was felt like that was my first encounter with what I could what I could only call the sacredness of life you know like the fact that everything is just incredibly mysterious miraculous I remember like you know a little over 10 years ago that first mushroom experience just looking around at all the supposedly mundane ordinary, details of life you know like clouds passing by overhead and the trees swaying in the wind and like like 
looking at the grass for the longest time and like talking to my friends, like, has anyone seen this grass right now? Cause it is ridiculous. Like just seeing the, all, all the, the beauty and the intricacy of the natural world and the mystery of, of the cosmos and the mystery of consciousness, the mystery of being, you know, like anyway, so really it was that, that first experience was profound enough that it kind of instantly fascinated me that a mushroom of all things did this to my brain. Like what, how, why, you know? And that was around the time that a lot of research was coming out from Johns Hopkins and Imperial college and NYU and a bunch of really prestigious research institutes around the world that was uh, providing some unbelievable and extremely compelling findings around the therapeutic efficacy uh, of using mushrooms and, and, and different plant psychedelics as tools in the therapeutic process, right? And probably a lot of your, your listeners and audience are, are well familiar with, with, with some of this by this point, but all, you know, I just diving into all that research really validated what I had experienced for myself, that this can be such a, a healing and positive experience. And so I just chose to, to pursue this field. And so, um, I got a background in, in, uh, social work and talk therapy, uh, which then led me to working at a therapeutic retreat center called Myco Meditations in Jamaica for a little over three years now. So that's what I do professionally. I mean, uh, my work is is in the, the healing space, but my passion around psychedelics really is in uh, exploration of, of the nature of reality, the nature of mind and consciousness and uh, uh, life's biggest questions. And I have here, because I told you I'm on the occult niche at the moment, magic and all these things that you're talking about, using psychedelics as a tool. You have some occultists or magicians that use psychedelics in their operations, and a psychonaut is intended for group magic and shamanic practice. And there's uh there's the the types of magic and you have chaos magic where it dives into the consciousness of oneself. And one thing that's always fascinated me when it comes to psychedelics is the fact how you're saying, how can this substance open up this doorway, this gateway within my own self before I ingested this substance? I wasn't able to see what I'm able to see right now. And that's what really blows my mind, that that thing has the power to do that, to shift your spectrum, your the spectrum that you're able to see and observe by just taking this yeah. thing that grows in nature, dude. What are your thoughts yeah. on it being decriminalized in a lot of these states that I think in Canada they're decriminalized and in Oregon, I know they're decriminalized. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's a good thing or do you think that's a bad thing? Oh, I absolutely think it's it's fantastic. I mean, that there's basically a sea change around the kind of like sociocultural, especially in the modern Western world, in uh, the scientific community, in the medical community, in the psychiatric community, mental health community. People are starting to really pick up on this and recognize like the potential here is enormous revolutionary right uh now 
there's many concerns, of course, because because these medicines are so powerful, the way that it's sort of rolled out, right, and and decriminalized and sort of integrated into society, uh, it's riddled, it's fraught with different risks and, and challenges and ethical questions. It, it, it really is, right? But overall, the general direction that things are moving is, is, is really, really exciting. Um, I like what you said about, well, I guess you were, you were kind of mirroring what I said about, you know, these substances being a tool. I, I often describe uh, psychedelics as, as just in the same way that we use a telescope to peer more deeply into the cosmos or a microscope to peer more deeply into the fabric of reality. Psychedelics offer metaphorically a, a lens. They're a tool for peering more deeply inwards into the nature of mind and consciousness, right? Why would such a tool ever be illegal? Well, if you look back a couple hundred years, when Galileo first looked through the telescope and came to the conclusion that the earth wasn't at the center of the universe, he tried, he was almost exiled. He was a right? heretic. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are, and, and this is a, this is a pattern. This is a trend that we see all throughout the, the history of, of modern science, right? But if we just move to a position of neutrality and look at and put away all, to the side, all the preconceived notions, all the stigma, right? All these sort of judgment, all, all the ways that we've been taught to fear these things, think for ourselves and look at the data, look at the empirical numbers and data and evidence. Hey, the numbers do not lie. When it comes to addressing uh, major depressive disorder, PTSD, substance abuse, trauma, anxiety, study after study after study after study, going back several decades now, from all around the world at some of the world's most you know prestigious research institutes is telling us that these are the it's, it's not even close the most effective treatment interventions for some of these mental health conditions that we've ever discovered right and and just to be clear to be specific it's not just like i take mushrooms or psilocybin or or, or dmt whatever and instantly i'm better it's psychedelic assisted therapy, right? So there's a therapeutic component to it as well. There's support, there's uh, empathy and, and competence and understanding and integrity. The space, the container, so to speak, around the experience is at least as important as the substance itself. But this is why this revolution is happening because people are seeing it works way better than anything we uh, have ever discovered when it comes to treating certain issues. And I mean, to say the least, humankind needs something new in the mental health space. Every single one of us on earth right now knows someone who is depressed, knows someone who's highly anxious, knows someone who's, uh, who has trauma in their, in their life. And pretty much every single one of us can point that finger inwardly because that's none of us gets away. Uh, none of us, you know, makes it through this human experience without picking up some of these issues, right? And of course, this is a reflection of the world that we live in and a reflection of the human condition and a reflection of the ways that we address these issues as they arise. So when it comes to treating addiction, or sorry, when it comes to treating addiction as well as depression, you give someone a pill 
that numbs them, right? An SSRI, antidepressant. It treats the symptoms. And I'm not dismissing that for a second because people got to do what they got to do just to get by, right? To get out of bed and do and live their life. Totally respect that 100%. However, at some point, we've got to go to the root cause. What's causing the depression in the first place? Are we just going to keep slapping a Band-Aid on it and take this pill every single day for the rest of our lives that has all these side effects? Versus, on the other hand, two or three, two or three treatments with a natural substance that comes from the earth that's not symptom management. It's going to the very root cause of where these problems are coming from in the first place and helping people completely change their life. And, you know, I'll just say like one more thing about that, that um, after working for three years in this field, right, in at this at this retreat center, done uh, over 40 week long retreats, hundreds of these dosing sessions, worked with hundreds, thousands of people, right? I mean, I'm here to say that I've, I've seen it. I see it all the time. And it never gets old. It always warms my heart. It always just inspires and motivates me and up, 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 uplifts me so greatly to see someone arrive on retreat saying, I tried everything. I've been in therapy for 20, 30 years. I've tried every SSRI, every benzodiazepine. Nothing has worked. And if this doesn't work, like, I don't know what else to do. I'm done. And to see a person like that in a position like that, like after one week, literally one day, one, one dosing session, have their life turned around. Like it's hard to put into words the impact of this, right? This is a new paradigm for the whole field of mental health. As it rolls out, there are a lot of concerns and there likely will be some element of backlash to it, just like what we saw in the 60s and 70s. But this is a good thing. Humanity desperately needs this. I'm not trying to indiscriminately say that everyone should be taking psychedelics because it's not like that. And not everyone is in a place to benefit from this experience. I want to be very clear about that. Some people should not at all be taking these things. But in certain given situations and circumstances where nothing else has worked, this can be a ray of hope and transformation and light and goodness where before there was only darkness. And so, I mean, clearly, I mean, you can probably tell this is something I feel really, really passionate about, but because, uh, because it is that legit, it is that exciting. It is that transformative. But of course, like I was telling you earlier, I mean, the, the therapeutic side, as huge as it is, it's only just the beginning. Because when we take these tools, this telescope into our inner world, we're taking a telescope into the nature of reality itself. And this goes way, way deeper. <laughs> you know? One of my favorite quotes is, psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally lay down models of behavior and information processing. They open you up to the possibility that everything you know is wrong. And that's Terrence McKenna. And I also like the idea that the ancients have been using these medicines for hundreds, perhaps thousands of years. And it's how you said it comes from 
the earth. It grows from water, dirt, and sunlight. So it's the craziest thing that, and I can see why they will want to control that because I've seen the corruption of the pharmaceutical industry with my father. He is literally a walking pharmacy. He has MS. He has di- he's diabetic. He just mm. recently had a heart attack. All these things. And yeah. I see the cost, bro. You see the cost every right. day. One supply, a 30-day supply of MS medicine to only treat it, to suppress it, $30,000 a month. Now multiply that times 100, oh, 200,000 people. And when they diagnosed them, because I was there when they diagnosed them, the doctor said, hey, we are 85% sure this is what you have. We're 85% and you need a treatment. There is, and you can, if you have MS, you can not have, you can choose not to take this medicine, but it, you will slowly deteriorate according to them because there are different types of MS. There are three different types. Wow. So yeah. how much yeah. of this, let, let's dig a little bit deeper, Jonas, because how much of it, because the placebo effect is a real thing. How much of it do you think, do you Let's dig a little deeper. Could this substance perhaps aid some sort of manifestation from the consciousness of the person, therefore helping them in some sort of pseudo placebo effect, but still the medicine works? Or is it strictly just a substance? Do you understand what I'm getting at? Is it some sort of mm-hmm. thing where it's paired up with the consciousness, the the thoughts, how you're mentioning set and setting is very important when it comes to these substances the person has no other remedies. They have no other options. They are weigh- they are weighing all, all their the last bits of hope on this substance working. Do you think that does something? Yeah. Is that part of the magic of this substance of this psychedelic phenomenon? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, a few things to say about that. One, I think that the placebo effect is is at play here, but. Specifically, when it comes to microdosing, I would say, uh, when it comes to microdosing, we're taking a small enough dose that it, it, it's called a subperceptual dose. Meaning, I take a tiny dose of psilocybin mushrooms, for example. I'm not feeling any effects. It's subperceptual. How much is that and y- for asking for a friend? <laughs> yeah. So a microdose typically would be in the range of psilocybin mushrooms to be specific would typically be in the range of 0.1 to 0.3 grams. So less than a half gram of mushrooms, right? A active, you know, a sort of a typical starter dose of psilocybin mushrooms would be somewhere between two to three and a half grams. So uh, a, a microdose is a small amount, right? In those cases, I think the placebo effect is at play, not in a, uh, which can still be a positive thing, right? However, at higher doses, bro, there is no doubt that you are in a profoundly altered state of consciousness. (laughs) There's no question. It's not like, is something happening? Is it not? It's like, wow, okay, something huge is happening. Uh, And in, in fact, a lot of times, I mean, this isn't just me saying this, right? The research substantiates that on a high therapeutic dose of, of psilocybin, for example, somewhere around well, between 60 to 70% of people, at least in the research, rate this as among the top five most meaningful experiences of their entire lives when compared to the birth of a child, the death of a loved one, getting married, 
all these things. So if it's, if, if it's like one of the most meaningful experiences of your life, like we're kind of beyond the uh, placebo effect at this point, right? Now, all that being said, yes, absolutely. There is a incredible and powerful partnership that happens between the medicine and what's happening within me, right? It's a partnership. Sometimes I almost describe it as, as a dance, right? Or like surfing, there's the ocean is doing its thing, but if I'm the surfer, I've got to work with the elements and move with this in order to have the optimal experience kind of thing. I'm not just like sitting on my surfboard and just like sitting there and like the waves are coming at me and now I'm surfing. I've got to, I've got to work with this, which there's a deeper conversation to be had actually about what we could call the art of psychedelic navigation. Uh, there's an art to navigating these non-ordinary states of consciousness. And one way of sort of uh, phrasing it or putting it is like the art of letting go. The art of surrender. Jonas, we might have lost you, brother. You are breaking up. Jonas, did we lose you? Hello. I think we might have lost him. The connection might have dropped. They don't want us to know about the, the art of psychedelic navigation. Wow. Okay, this is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll write this timestamp down and hopefully he comes back because this is really wild. As soon as he start talking about some psychedelics and navigating this reality with these substances, they want to silence you. So let's see what happens here. Yep. He dropped, of course. Let's see if he comes back in. But yeah, this is all very interesting. Jonas was the one that got me into the whole psychedelic realm of things, consciousness, and being able to, the idea of these substances perhaps being some sort of gateway to another dimension. I 100% believe that when I do psychedelics or have done psychedelics, they have transported me, my consciousness at least, to another realm. Another realm where manifestation acts differently or is it perceived as that it acts differently? That's that's what really blows my mind. Where is it really you bending reality to your will? Or is it the perception that you're bending reality to your will by taking these substances? So see what happens. We'll wait for Jonas to come back. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you good? Oh I'm good, man. I'm back. I'm sorry about that. I have no idea. That's all good, man. Oh, we can jump right back. As soon as you said the art of psychedelic navigation, shit just went haywire. So let me let me write the timestamp down. Let's jump, just jump right back into it. 30. I'll count it back in. And again. Hey, they, 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 don't want, they don't want us to know, man. I guess so. <laughs> Three, two, one. Jonas, they don't want us to know about the art of psychedelic navigation, brother. This is some groundbreaking stuff. I like the way you ordered that. And as soon as you started going off on that, you dropped out. Dude, you dropped out for like 10 minutes. So 
Can you let the people know what this entitles? What is all this about? You've piqued my interest. Technical difficulties. Yeah, sorry about that, man. But, um, well, yeah. So just the idea that just just as it's a skill surfing surfing a wave, right? Or or uh, kayaking down a moving moving with a flowing bottle body of water, right? There there's an art to navigating uh, non ordinary states of consciousness, and I think in a lot of ways it could be described or understood as as the art of of letting go, the art of of surrendering, right? Where we're where we're letting because no one can control the movement of the waves. No one can control the ocean. We just got to uh, work with what's coming at us. Right. So it's, it's paradoxically it's surrender, but also active. It's, uh, uh, letting go, but also engaging, right. It's sort of paradoxical, but I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot more to be, to be said about that and, and, and what that entails. But I mean, these are some of the, the deeper questions and elements to the whole psychedelic space, the whole uh, uh, investigation of non-ordinary states of consciousness, of the nature of consciousness itself that go way, way beyond just the therapeutic applications, right? Like mushrooms as a, as a cure for depression or whatever. That's really just the, uh, the start. What are the, what are one of the more, what is one of your more freaky moments that you've had while at this retreat? Have you had anything, as I've read of accounts of telepathy when it comes to LSD and other forms of psychedelics, have you experienced anything? I know, I even know paranormal investigators that use psychedelics in their investigations, so have you experienced anything extraordinary that you could attribute to these substances? Oh yeah, all the time. It's a fast it's a fascinating question. There's a lot to be said about this, but I guess to take a step back, if we just continue with the metaphor of psychedelics as a tool like a telescope, right? A lot of people use the word hallucinogen, or when you take psychedelics, you're hallucinating, right? Which implies that it's sort of like a fantasy. There's no truth or reality to it. You're under the effects of a chemical substance, and therefore you're seeing these things, but there's no actually truth or veracity to it. Hallucination versus uh, true perception, right? Hallucinatory or visionary. Just because I'm looking through a telescope, you know, I'm seeing way beyond my perception is, is clearly enhanced, right? Does that mean that when I'm looking through the telescope, I'm hallucinating or that's a hallucination? No, right? So I'm not saying that all of these psychedelic experiences are real, right? Whatever, whatever however we even want to define that. But I'm saying that to dismiss all of these experiences as chemically induced hallucinations that have no deeper truth or mystery to them is, is, uh, uh, it's not wise. It's, 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 uh, ignorant in a sense that there is a deeper mystery to all this, right? So all of that is to say 
that and, and and one more other thing that that comes to mind is Dennis McKenna, who's the brother of Terrence McKenna, who just said that quote. He's got another great quote where it's like, uh, every single waking moment of our life is a chemically mediated process. At any given moment, the chemical, the neurochemistry uh, mediates and modulates our experience of life, our perceptions of life, right? So who is therefore to say that this current set of neurochemical conditions uh, where I'm sober is more real or more true than this other set? Who's to say, right? If we, so Aldous Huxley, who's this, this author wrote this book called The Doors of Perception, right? Where he suggests this, this metaphor that these, these, these chemicals, yes, it is chemically mediated, but it's like opening doors to expanded states of perception and experience, right? So now to come back to your question, right? With just that, that, that framework in mind, all the time, I see very interesting experiences of entity encounters, people who take, you know, people from all different walks of life coming from a very, very, very different social or cultural or religious background encountering a being in this experience that they describe in very, very similar ways. I mean, I can give you precise examples. Uh, a lot of times when people take either psilocybin or DMT, they encounter insect-like beings, these mantid-like beings, right? Uh, there are certain symbols or creatures or images uh, for whatever reason i mean this sound this can sound absolutely crazy but i've just heard it many times uh the octopus or tentacle like beings is another one that these are just some examples right so how is it that people from all different walks of life are encountering similar beings now we can take this a step further right if we look at the mystical experience in general Right, so this is a big thing in the in psychedelic research because uh, researchers have found that the greater degree to which a person has subjectively a mystical experience while they're on mushrooms or ayahuasca or whatever it may be, the greater degree to which they receive healing, the more profound, the more enduring are the healing benefits. Right, so the mystical experience it's a really important part of all of this, and these are like. Uh, what is the mystical experience, right? These are like peak spiritual experiences of a lifetime, mountaintop, your, your bird's eye view where you're seeing the bigger picture, all the dots are, are connecting. There's a profound, overwhelming feeling of sacredness where there's a transcendence often of the personal sense of self, transcendence of ego, transcendence of space and time itself. These, these can often feel like out-of-body experiences where suddenly our consciousness, our awareness is way bigger than just this one little like meat sack, right? There are no more boundaries or barriers to our being. There's a profound sense of connection, of interconnection, of unity, like a drop of rain hitting the surface of the ocean and then instantly just dissolving, becoming one with the entire infinite existence kind of thing. It almost sounds foolish to like put these things into words because the direct experience is so far beyond anything that the mind can even fathom or imagine, right? Now, here's how this connects to the question that you asked. 
Why is it that, again, people from all different walks of life, from all over the world, from all throughout time, when they describe a mystical experience, they're saying these same core characteristics. They're saying that there's a feeling of transcending the personal ego. They're saying that there's a feeling of encountering something sacred that feels like an ultimate or infinite eternal reality. They're saying that there's a sense of oneness with all of this and that this infinite uh, reality is not out there. It's in here. It's in all that is. It's what we are. It's what all of this is, right? Waves on the surface of the ocean of life. So why is it that if these are all hallucinations in the brain, that thousands and thousands and thousands, we could say millions of people from all around the world and all throughout time are hallucinating the same things. I would say that there's this wealth of anecdotal data that suggests that all these different people are looking through the telescope and seeing the same things. They're seeing a more fundamental or deeper levels or aspects of reality that, uh, are way beyond anything that modern science has even begun to discover, much less understand. We, you know, it's, it's so far beyond the materialist understanding of, of reality, and yet it's, it's real in a sense that we don't yet understand. So it continues on as well because all of this is pointing what, what, I, what I'm now absolutely convinced of, and this is through my own psychedelic experiences as well as through seeing and and hearing and learning about the experiences of others. This is coming from a guy who used to be an atheist. All right. I used to be like a hardcore atheist materialist. Uh, I'm now absolutely convinced that there is more to the mystery of consciousness than this one physical brain. In other words, just like how the computer, which I'm talking to right now, uh, it's animated by electricity, right? There's an electrical force or charge or current that's animating the computer. Does this computer produce or generate the electricity? Or is electricity way bigger than any one device? Clearly, right? Just in the same way, who is to say that the brain biocomputer produces the life force, the electricity, the consciousness that powers this, what this is, right? So, all of the, the evidence, and this is bigger than psychedelics as well, because we're talking about quantum physics, we're talking about non-ordinary states of consciousness, we're talking about near-death experiences, we're talking about parapsychology, past life memories, astral projection, lucid dreaming, shamanism, mysticism, all these different things, right? There's this wealth of data and evidence that consciousness, the essence of what we are, The one who is hearing and feeling and sensing this experience right now is so far beyond this one physical body, right? And so when we open to that possibility, even if we just consider the possibility, which any honest scientist will say that the nature of consciousness is one of the single greatest mysteries facing modern science today, right? And the idea that consciousness is produced by the physical brain, this is a theory It's not proven. It's not a fact. I would even say it's unprovable, right? So if we open to the possibility that consciousness is beyond the body, then all of this like high strangeness, incredible things that we see in the psychedelic experience, such as telepathic connection, such as like I'm 
having an experience where I suddenly know what that person is thinking and I'm convinced I know what they're thinking and what they're experiencing. Having an experience of like remote viewing of, of, uh, you know, like all, all these different kinds of like extrasensory perception, we could say, right? Precognizance, <laughs> like all these things that in, from a materialist perspective, make absolutely no sense. If we open to the possibility that there's more to consciousness, there's something deeper. And just like electricity is part of this unified electrical field, like electromagnetic force, right? Consciousness could be part of a greater field where things are connected. Everything is interconnected. I mean, this is certainly what the mystical experience tells us as well. So if everything is interconnected, truly, truly, then all of the, this like high strangeness, extrasensory perception, precognition, uh, uh, fit very neatly and, and understandably into a framework. So, man, uh, Juan, I'm sorry that was like a super long rambling answer there. I love the way you put it, though, question. bro. I love the way but, you put uh, it because yeah. one of one of the things that really got me hooked into psychedelics was the entities, was the idea that you can peek into other realms of existence with the use of the you have a lot of people joe rogan one of them where he talks about how maybe dmt is the way i don't know if joe rogan said this but i'm sure he's introduced dmt to a lot of people in the mainstream because and i've i've heard other people i don't know if it's joe rogan or not that they say dmt is the tool to break out of the simulation if you will when they look up they see the dome i'm sure you've heard that before and just the idea, I've, I've also had uh, at the at the beginning of this podcast, my podcast in an entirety at, towards the beginning, I did a lot of episodes with, an, with a friend of mine, and we talked a lot about DMT, ayahuasca, and he, he was, for a long time, he was putting together a documentary on DMT entities. And that that same thing where he would go to these retreats and people would experience the same entities on the outside, on the other side. Some people would have the same almost abduction like alien gray, very grotesque looking Lovecraftian entities on the other side. They would all experience the same thing as a collective, almost like, again, like if it is tuning you into this frequency it's taking your brain and just tuning the knobs in to be able to peek into this dimension and the one thing that really freaked me out all the time was a lot of the times they would go into this other realm and see these entities and they would be acknowledged that they were there and sometimes they would be like hey what are you doing we're happy to see you what are you doing here great of you to join us and then other times it's like you're not really supposed to be here what are you doing but then you touch on it and and talk about it almost like how I've heard it put before. What if we are all God and God's experiencing reality through every single one of us, right? And by you taking this, this substance, you turn that microscope around on yourself instead of observing it while you become the observer, you become the one that's, you become the watcher. If you want to go to ancient scripture, right? you become the one. Maybe right. that's what that means. The watchers is God. And then you're able with this tool, able to turn around on itself and kind of inwardly look. And that's a very, and that's the thing about psychedelics, bro, 
it doesn't just stop at not only does it heal you know it's also going to point out all the other fucked up stuff that you have in your life and in your psyche and it points it out and it magnifies it and that's the other part of this of this tool where it's like hey do you truly want to unlock your inner demons do you really want to do that you're going to get healed in the process and how you're saying how the mystical experience is linked to the amount of healing that you are subjected to and one of the biggest problems that i had while on this substance was letting go i was hesitant to let go bro i was hesitant i was fighting it the entire time like i kept saying get out you know get out get out and that's when it would just sink its claws into me even deeper to where it's like no you're here and you're going to be here for another 11 hours however it was. <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's yeah. that's the part of the of the whole thing that freaked me out that i didn't encounter entities but i did see some weird stuff and that's the part that really just because if you look into the whole aspect of chaos magic well chaos magic they say that and even crowley the the goetia where these demons they're actually parts of your psyche of your subconscious that are yes. there and you're able to tap into that and I wonder yeah. if that's what is happening with this. Are you tapping into something that's already you just in another spectrum of existence? Or is it really you tapping into another dimension, another realm where these entities exist independently? You know what I'm getting mm-hmm. at here? Yeah. So, well, so now now we're, we're, yeah, we're getting at some of the deeper elements of non-ordinary states of consciousness. And again, just how, just how far beyond the mental health field this all goes right this is now going to the nature of reality the nature of consciousness the nature of mind uh the idea of for example multiverse theory that this physical reality that we exist in as vast and infinite as it is is the tiniest tip of the iceberg is the tiniest tip of the iceberg there is so much more to the mystery of existence than anything we can even begin to perceive or fathom or imagine, right? And uh, I mean, it's very, it's very clear with our physical sensory apparatus, right? Like our eyes, visible light, or sorry, uh, the, yeah, visible light color spectrum is less than 1% of the electromagnetic spectrum. We can't see uh, infrared, ultraviolet light, x-rays, radio waves, can't see them, but they're around us all the time and they're very real, right? Likewise, we can only hear within a certain wavelength, a frequency of, of uh, uh, wavelengths, right? We can only feel and smell and taste and touch and think within a range of experience. It is very, very clear that beyond our sensory, our physical sensory experience, there is so much more to the mystery of life. In fact, if you just consider dark matter and dark energy, right, supposedly like ordinary uh, matter only comprises 4% of the observable universe. Four, four, percent 96% of this observed universe is dark matter and dark energy, both of which are invisible to our senses and invisible to our understanding as well. We could say we have no idea what this is, and yet it constitutes 96% of the universe, right? There's a book called The 4% Universe that talks more about this. I mean, this is this is physics. This isn't like spiritual woo-woo. This is science, right? So 
And it's very commonly acknowledged in modern theoretical physics, the possibility that there are, uh, you know, parallel realities, alternate worlds, the uh, many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, string theory and M theory are two examples of scientific mathematical theories that postulate the existence of alternate realms or planes or dimensions of existence, right? So isn't it interesting that when we have an experience on DMT, and this is another one of these consistent findings from all around the world. And, and we have documented in the research literature, thousands and thousands and thousands of these DMT experiences where universally just about every single person is saying that on a sufficient dose of DMT, it's an out-of-body experience where we transcend this human body, where we transcend space and time altogether, where we're beyond this 3D material plane we break through and enter into oftentimes it's crazy it's like you move into a portal or a light or like it feels like you're literally moving through a membrane i mean it's called the breakthrough experience for a reason it's like you're you're moving from this physical plane through some sort of a portal or a tunnel or a passageway boom out the other side into a different space that coexists with this but it's like a different plane of existence, right? When we emerge in these alternate realms and dimensions and spaces, and this is another thing that's like just about everyone says this, uh, there are beings there. It's populated. It feels even more real than this present moment. Like So just like how I know that right now I'm not dreaming, like, it's hard to say exactly why I know that, but I just do. It just feels more real than a dream, right? Imagine if you continue to turn that dial all the way up, man, like multiplied by a million million. And you're in this, now you're in this other experience, this other state that feels way more fundamentally real, way more. It's like, it's really hard to describe. But so every, everyone, pretty much everyone says this, right? You go to this other, other realm it's, it's uh, beyond the physical, right? It's populated with beings of all different sorts and types, and it feels real. It doesn't feel like some hallucination. Then what's even more incredible is that a lot of times, as you, as you said, uh, it's interactive. So it's like you see this entity or this being, and he, she, it sees you too. And it's like there's an encounter that happens and there's either, in, in many cases, there's either one-way or two-way communication. Communication that's happening here, right? And again, this isn't just me, some guy on the internet who's saying these things. It's like, you can go to the Johns Hopkins uh, Psychedelic Research page and find uh, an article that was published in 2019 called uh, something like Survey of DMT, or sorry, sorry. Survey of Entity Encounters Occasioned by Inhaled NN Dimethyltryptamine. And it's the largest survey of DMT experiences that's ever been done. Surveyed like 2,500 DMT experiencers about their most profound DMT entity encounter. With all kinds of crazy findings, right? Like 80% of the sample said that this experience fundamentally changed their worldview Something like 
<laughs> listen to this. Uh, 50% of people who self-described as an atheist before this experience, (laughs) 50%, 5-0, after this experience, no longer described themselves as an atheist. And I mean, hey, count count me as one of those people. Because it's like, yeah, there's way more to reality than what meets the eye. Mm -hmm. And it's real. It's, It's maybe we could say even more real. It makes this look like a dream. Which interestingly, mystics and spiritual visionaries from all throughout history, they've described this as dreamlike, right? Like in Hinduism, the term Leela, it's the divine play, right? So all I'm saying is, and, and, and again, like I want to be clear, I'm not saying for a second that all of these DMT experiences are real, like real visits to alternate dimensions and planes of existence. I'm saying they might be, they could be, mm. and... If there are all of these consistencies, amazing consistencies, super precise in the ways that people are describing these, then it's time to be like, hey, okay, something's going on here. And when, again, when we add in all this other evidence from quantum physics, from parapsychology, near-death experiences, remote viewing, uh, mystical states, you know, it's like at a certain point, it's like, okay, there's a lot more here. And this is how we're slowly like peeling back the layers of the onion, right? And seeing like this mystery of life is multidimensional. It's interdimensional. It's way beyond the physical. And guess what? So are we because we're one with all of this. We're part of all of this. So what I'm, what I'm suggesting is that a new, the, I truly think, Juan, that the next great scientific revolution is a, the revolution in our science of consciousness, our understanding of consciousness, where we're going from this materialist, like brain-based understanding to a way different one of non-local consciousness, to use like the, the, the language from quantum physics, or, or this idea that consciousness is fundamental. There's something to who and what we are that's beyond the physical. And in these psychedelic states, in these non-ordinary states, it's like the doors of perception open and some part of us is freed up to see and travel beyond this physical organism, right? This is the next great frontier. This is what we we could say the ultimate frontier. People have been saying for decades that space is the final frontier. No, it's not. Consciousness is. There's an infinite ocean to be explored within every single one of us. And it's multidimensional. It's interdimensional. Like we are, I truly believe this. Uh, we are multidimensional beings existing in a multidimensional mystery of existence with infinite other planes and realms and dimensions beyond 3D physical. And uh, some, if used in, in a correct way and safely, responsibly in the right set and setting, yes, absolutely. These psychedelic substances can be tools, tools, for tapping into these non-ordinary states where we're beginning the very exciting, incredible, revolutionary project of beginning to map out what is beyond the physical. Like, this is a new cartography, man. Mm -hmm. And this, this is actually not a title of a book, which is a great title, The Art of Psychedelic Navigation. So 
If you have, if somebody hasn't used it, I'm gonna I'm gonna copyright it right now on air because I looked it up because it sounds sounds <laughs> awesome. So you should probably write a book about this, bro, and use that that name. But wow, man, that's that's a lot to unpack because yeah, this taps into and it bleeds into to everything else. Not only is it the a healing tool that that actually works, but it can quite literally dissolve reality. As far as we know it, as far as we're able to perceive it as existence itself can even be dissolved. And what what are your experiences as far? Do you strictly do psilocybin or what are your thoughts on other forms of because I know LSD is a synthetic made substance, even DMT as well. But they say that DMT is produced in the body. Is that that's a real thing, right? That it's produced in the body or is that a myth? Because I mean. Have you really Quan. 100% proven that? Quan, let me, let me tell you right now, this is one of the most incredible things about the whole DMT mystery. It's naturally produced in the human body, and yes, this has been confirmed. So studies have identified trace amounts of DMT in our spinal fluid, in blood, in human urine, even in different bodily tissues, right? Every single mammalian species that's ever been tested for endogenous DMT has been found to contain DMT. So it's not like a building that, block of not only not only that, listen to this. Thousands, thousands of different plant and animal species naturally contain the strongest psychedelic molecule known to humankind. And we have no idea why. What physiological function does it play in the human body? What physiolog common grass? contains trace amounts of dmt why no one knows evolutionarily like evolution the theory of evolution tells us that evolution is lean it cuts away that that Mm -hmm. those those things that are not meaningful that are not significant that are not useful that are not important so then why is it that thousands of different plant and animal species endogenously produce the single most powerful psychedelic substance known to humankind and this is why ayahuasca is a thing right because there's a plant that grows in the amazon rainforest that contains high concentrations of of dmt naturally so yeah yeah i mean there's there's a lot to be said about that but it i mean it's just like this is begging for uh more investigation Mm -hmm. right no one knows no one knows. I mean, the, the DMT experience itself is so absolutely phenomenal, but we don't even have to look that far. I mean, we can just take this basic scientific question of one, why is, why is the most powerful psychedelic substance found all throughout the natural world, all throughout the biosphere? And then two, why, like what role does it play in life sustaining processes? Right. And not we, only that, but when have, you, when you take this toe that's found in certain parts of the world and you rub it on a piece of glass, right, and it excretes this poison and you're able to extract 5-MeO-DMT from that toe that's able to send you into, like, what role does that play? <laughs> and who was the first guy to figure that out? I want to know what he was doing yeah. to that frog to find out that it <laughs> teleported you to another dimension. That's what I want to know because it's how you're do saying. you really want to know? <laughs> I mean, do you have an answer? <laughs> No, well, I mean, I was I was just laughing about yeah, how 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 does someone find that out about the toad? But actually, there's a uh, there's a Vice documentary that I saw recently that talks about 
I think that the, the, the first guy who discovered 5-MeO DMT. So this is a different kind of DMT, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's a little confusing because there's NN DMT, which is found in ayahuasca. This is like DMT, the spirit molecule, right? That uh, Rick Strassman did all his research on. And that's the DMT that's naturally occurring in humans and all throughout nature. Then there's also 5-MeO DMT, which is also like equally we could say the most powerful psychedelic that, that we know of. So there are two, they're very, very similar in a lot of ways, but the subjective experience is very different. Uh, they share a lot of similarities, but yeah, the, the nature of the experience itself is very different, but yeah, I mean, these are massive questions, right? And we can say the same for psilocybin for mescaline. Like why does a mushroom begin to produce <laughs> a psychedelic compound? <laughs> why does a cactus contain mescaline that you take you eat a little bit of it, and then you're you're fine, right? It's like it's it's like our system, our nervous system, our physiology is is for whatever reason extremely receptive to these molecules, and even the the tiniest amount of DMT, for example, uh, uh, produces this profound complete 100 percent shift in in our consciousness these are really 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 deep questions that um you know there there are sort of practical and scientific answers to surely but then it's all there's also like this deeper thing of it's almost like it's mystical man mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like 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 there's the intelligence of nature like so, it's almost like there's there's someone or something or some intelligence that made it so right it just seems that way to a limited human mind right not saying that is the case but it could be the case but he's trolling us because he'll put it at the center of this one particular mushroom but then make a mushroom next to that one that could kill you if you ingest it right so it's like this range like a mushroom has these ranges where this one tastes really good if you cook it up then this one can kill you and then this one will teleport you and you could potentially become bigfoot if you take enough of it because it does that (laughs) so it's like if the creator is this create and and, and how you're saying link the mystical experience religions how many religions are speculated you have john marco allegro talking about jesus potentially being a mushroom you have depictions of santa claus potentially being the amanita muscaria have you ever tried amanita muscaria by any chance i have not no i'm i'm very familiar with it and uh but i i've i've yet i've yet to try it myself but you know what i'm saying like the fact that you're able to link even oh yeah these figures of history to this substance which is a possibility well well, undeniably and and as you said and um i think it's super important to acknowledge that these medicines are ancient man and and Mm. and there's concrete solid evidence that uh all over the world on just about every continent people have been using plant-based medicines to tap into non-ordinary states in a, in a way that um, it has been central to spiritual and religious and mystical traditions from all, all, all over the world, right? And we see this, I mean, certainly like thousands of years of ayahuasca use in the Amazon. In all through Central and South America, the use of psilocybin mushrooms and the, the 
Aztecs, the Mazatecs, the Mayans, you know, um, in, in Siberia, people using the Amanita muscaria. In ancient Hindu texts, they speak of this concoction called Soma, which uh, seems to be psychedelic. In uh, ancient Greece, right, there was, a, there was a book that came out recently that talks about the um, Eleusian uh, mysteries. Eleusinian mysteries, uh, yeah. Thank you. I always mispronounce that word. Um, can't remember the title of that book right now. But yeah, so I mean, the idea is that these medicines have been used for thousands of years all over the world. And certainly they've influenced the evolution of our species and, and our, 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 our society and our, and our cultural, cultural expression as well. And they're continuing to do so. And right now, humankind is at this really significant, monumental point in, in our evolution, right? like an inflection point where the these next few decades have the potential to uh, radically transform life on earth forever right and we're at a point where as i see it uh, either we evolve either we become more conscious and more mature as a species or we will self-destruct. I I would I would say I would say that right now we're in a race between consciousness or catastrophe. Like literally, the only way that humankind over I'm, I'm not saying necessarily in our lifetimes over the next decades, centuries, next few hundred years, right? The only way, as I see it, that we can avoid complete annihilation is to evolve, is to become more conscious. It's not like, like at this point, clever politics and social agendas and whatever, uh, uh, socioeconomic initiatives, blah, blah, blah. This is not enough. We need an inner change, an inner transformation in the minds and hearts of human beings. We need healing. We need an opening of the minds, but deep, deeper than that, we need an opening of the hearts, right? And this is the, the big picture mission of, of why I work with psychedelics. Because yes, it, it helps us heal, and the world needs healing right now, but it also helps us awaken. It also helps us to see the oneness of all things. It helps us to see that everything is freaking interconnected. It helps us to see that life is miraculous. It's mysterious, so far beyond anything that we understand and can even begin to, to understand. It's humbling, right? And it opens us up to the mysteries and all this is the deeper transformation that humankind is missing right now because especially in modern western society our connection to what we could call the sacred our connection to spirit our connection to divinity not in a religious sense but in life is a freaking miracle sense it's been severed that connection that link has been broken Right. And, you know, it's no surprise that we're more divided than ever before. It's no surprise that we don't when I when I see someone else and I'm not talking for myself, I'm talking for like humankind at large right now. When I see someone else, I see someone different from me. I see someone divided. Right. We're fractured. But underlying all of this is the one ocean of life of which we're all an expression. 
right? So psychedelics can help to repair us on so many ways. And, and yeah. And just, just to explore, explore the mysteries, Mm -hmm. you know, because when we're, when we're talking about like alternate realms of existence, when we're talking about entity encounters, man, I mean, think about the potential here. What do we stand to learn from interfacing with a being who subjectively seems just as real as you and I and millions of years more advanced, right? It could like, it could be seen as a dangerous thing too, though, Jonas, right? Because what if we're not ready? How you're saying you, you the 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 expansion of consciousness, the evolution uh, to becoming ethereal beings, essentially angels. That's what the ancient scripture talked about. And but what if we're not ready yet? What if that would quite literally dissolve all paradigms? Because if you start to think about that, then religion goes out the door. Like is mm-hmm. is the I believe we're to, we're all talking about one God, just through different perceptions, through different facets mm-hmm. of that same God. So, what happens when everybody starts to realize that all the gods they've been talking about is that is one guy, is one mm-hmm. entity, is one mm-hmm. thing, is one central point? That's what the emanations emanationists talked right, about, right, where it was right. the source, the one at the center, and reality is just an emanation of the source of this one. Right. Light. It was just, it's just light, dude. It's just light at the mm-hmm. end of the tunnel, literally light at the end of the tunnel. That's what these ancients believed. And <clears throat> you touched on something earlier too, where a lot during Hellenistic times, they would, for the longest time, scholars were puzzled because they would have a date at the beginning that was further along than the, than the, cause you know how they do the born this day died this day well during hellenistic times they would put it backwards because they believed that life started at death so they Mm. would put their death date at the beginning and then their birthday at the end and people were like why would they do that it's like no because they believe that the real journey began once you died once you pat how you're talking about past that membrane you were reborn again but you died and dude like my dad died four times on the table i asked him what's it like on the other side He's like, didn't see anything. I don't remember anything. So, because mm-hmm. it makes me also think of what it, what if maybe there isn't anything on the other side? Because I've also thought that way too. But mm-hmm. you think about why is mysticism a thing? Why is God a thing? Why are why are paranormal experiences a thing? Why are near death experiences a thing? What why are out of body experiences a thing? Like I've thought about all that, and I've had I had a waking dream for the first time the other the other day, yeah. not, not the other day, but recently. And it goes back to what Rene Descartes was like, hey, I think therefore I am because the only thing I can prove is that I'm a thinking thing and everything else goes out the door. My perception cannot be trusted because 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 of these things that we're talking about, now, the psychedelics. And, and even uh, I had somebody tell me, too, on the and this has resonated with me, where these are all crutches, dude. Well, how do you feel about that? What if we get to the point you're talking about the evolution of consciousness. You have figures like Elon Musk who want to put the Neuralink in our brains. Do you think that's, do you think that the merging of AI, because we're talking about consciousness and everybody talks about like, Oh, what if the AI becomes con, you know, sentient? What if, what if it has a consciousness? Are we able to replicate that? Because as humans, we've always wanted to emulate the divine. We've always talked about how this existence is a reflection of a more divine existence, a more perfect existence. Do you think we're going to get there? How do you feel about this 
this delicate thing that Elon wants to put in our, literally on top of our brains, this receiver of consciousness in order to, to, is there an inferior motive? Do you think, how do you feel about all that merging of AI with consciousness? Uh huh. Well, there's, there's, there's a lot here, a lot to be said. And also want to touch on, on the point that you made that like this exploration of, of non-ordinary states, like I want to be clear. It's not that it doesn't have risks. Hey, putting astronauts in, in a space shuttle and blasting them off to the moon has got a lot of freaking risks, man. But that doesn't mean that it's not worthwhile. In fact, that's exactly what might make it so revolutionary, right? Exploring new frontiers. Anytime you get in a boat and leave uh, the safe harbor, like you're, you're exposing yourself to risks, right? But does that mean that you shouldn't do it? In some cases, yeah. <laughs> In some cases, yeah, absolutely. Like you want to be prepared to meet the, those risks and challenges. But anyway, um, and and the same is certainly true. I will say for interfacing with DMT entities and elves, right? Or, or these machine elves, these these alter all, intelligences, uh, and and all these all these non ordinary states. There's a lot more I I I, I could say about that, but. To address uh, this other question, the intersection of AI and consciousness, super, super interesting. And, you know, I want to readily, like, acknowledge that I'm, I'm no expert here. My two cents is one of the very core tenets of science in general is uh, conservation of mass and energy. Energy cannot be created, cannot be destroyed, right? I always say that. <laughs> and, right? So what about the conservation of consciousness? What about the conservation of life force? You're telling me that the life force that animates this body, the most central, essential thing, the most fundamental thing in my life, when, I, when the body dies, it just poof, disappears? What about the conservation of life force energy, Right? And if energy can't be created or destroyed, then, man, I think it is really, really, really bold of us little humans to claim that we can create consciousness. We can create something that resembles consciousness that's, from an external perspective, indistinguishable. But it really goes to the nature of consciousness itself, right? So if consciousness is indeed emergent, an emergent property of the material brain, of the neuron, the complex interaction of neurons in the brain create this epiphenomenon, this emergent property of consciousness. If that really is true, someday, a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand years in the future, absolutely, we can create something that's conscious. Eventually, we'll be able to create, to go down to the cellular atomic level and create a brain, Right? However, if it is true that consciousness is beyond the physical, if it is true that consciousness is non-local, that is transcendent, if we're talking about soul or spirit, we're talking about the divine essence, life force, the infinite that's coming through us, do you really think that like a little, con a little, little human being here can create that? I think that's no more realistic than me 
creating the Big Bang itself, right? Because they're inseparable. So this is kind of my take, and I'm 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 not I'm not saying by any means that I know. I'm saying that if consciousness truly is like just a materialist, you know, an emergent property of material matter, complex interaction of neurons, then sure, someday we can have conscious AI. This is absolutely possible. But given that, I mean, the audience can probably tell which way I lean at this point that like, I clearly think that there is so much more to consciousness than just this physical brain. It's transcendent. It's fundamental. Can we create uh, the big bang? Can we create gravity itself? Can we create the fundamental forces of, of nature? This is, this is beyond the, 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 the realm of, of, of uh, human possibility. You see, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, Does that make I, sense? Yeah, I understand. It, it's, it's, because we still don't know what it is, so how are we able to identify in which realm it exists in to begin with? So I, I 100% agree and understand where you're coming from, uh, and only time will tell, right? I mean, as technology advances, as our understanding of these substances advance, maybe perhaps we'll find out what consciousness is. And Jonas, one more question for you, just just for fun, because we're talking about the our reality and how maybe perhaps you're able to use consciousness for extracurricular activities at this place that you do these retreats at. And, and, and anybody can go there. Anybody can just sign up and go there for a retreat. How does it work if somebody w- would want to go there to participate in this? Or is it through a doctor? Is it through a, a referral? How does it work? No, exactly? yeah, for, no, for sure. It's it's open to the public. So, I mean, the place is called Myco Meditations, right? And in order to go there... Well, you have to submit a application, which is really just like you're answering some screening questions. And this is a really important safety measure because, again, not everyone is at a place in their life where they stand to benefit from these psychedelic medicines, mm-hmm. right? So there are some contraindications, and so it's important that we, we, we screen for that. But, yeah, any, any, anyone can apply. How, has there or have you ever experienced any UFO activity in this area bro from because i've heard that these things also right ufos are interdimensional and that maybe you're able to manifest these things again we're talking about the power of consciousness and how where do we draw the line have you experienced any ufo activity in this vicinity near the facility where you do these things at Golf clap. I'm glad that we got here, man. I was wanting, to, I was wanting, I was wanting to get here. We gotta, really we gotta do the foreplay first, Jonas, before we start to go into the heavy stuff. Because we scare them off at the beginning. They're like, yeah. So here it is. What, what have you experienced as far as to this phenomenon? Well, okay. Let me say that um, you know, in terms of like UFO sightings at at the at the place where I work. I don't, I, I'm, 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 I'm not going to say that I've, I've seen much, right? Um, many of the guest experiences, many of my own experiences do include this phenomenon of entity encounters, right? And in some cases, yes, I've heard unbelievable stories of people who are in a psychedelic experience in a non-ordinary state of consciousness and have seen 
an object appear, right? That's extremely anomalous. Um, the link is 100% there. This is a deeper understanding. And man, I, I mean, I, I really could like, I could, I could rant and rave about this. So I'm going to try to like check myself. But if you ask me, this is a deeper understanding of the whole UFO UAP enigma that there is a deeper mystery to this than physical objects, spacecraft coming from other planets in our galaxy or another. What we are looking at here and really like a, a, a deeper examination of the data and evidence strongly suggests this, that we're looking at a phenomenon that is interdimensional, interdimensional, right? And, uh, you know, I'd be happy to talk more about like why the data and evidence points in that direction, but a really good intro into learning more about that is there's a, probably one of the most famous UFO research researchers. His name is Jacques Vallée. He's been on a bunch of podcasts, you know, Joe Rogan and, you know, he wrote a book, one called Passport to Magonia. He wrote another book called uh, Dimensions, where he, I mean, he's like a brilliant guy with a scientific mind. And he goes through all of these different case reports and lays out really compelling evidence and arguments that it's like, this thing is so much weirder. It is so much stranger than physical beings, little green men from uh, the planet Venus coming to visit in their spacecraft. No, this is like, defies our understanding of space and time itself. Now, it makes sense to my mind that hypothetically, right, if I'm using DMT, for example, or psilocybin or whatever, and tapping into this non-ordinary state of consciousness is out-of-body kind of experience where I'm traveling, subjectively traveling to a, a different realm of existence and encountering beings there that seem light years ahead, more advanced, right? If there's a way for me to travel there, surely, just in theory, there's a way for these beings to go the opposite direction and come into this realm, right? So it's like, there's a way, there's a consciousness way for me to travel into that realm. What if that is the way, Jonas, though? What if what if we are, in essence, affecting space and time by consciously, you know, participating in these, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're affecting, yes. we're talking about alchemy right now. We're talking about using physical matter and affecting it in a certain way where you affect time, space and time and reality itself. Yes. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating and it's completely mysterious. I wouldn't say that I have any answers. All I have is questions, but I, but I have insights, right? Like just looking at the data and, and examining, right? And every, every new insight brings more questions with it, but the insights are, 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 are legitimate, right? And it is very clear that there is a direct consciousness link to this whole UFO mystery. This is the deeper understanding that not only is the mystery itself interdimensional, the one who is observing it is also interdimensional. This is why I was saying earlier that we're multidimensional beings existing in a multidimensional mystery, right? And it is all connected. So something is happening over there, 
but it's also happening in here. And the two things ultimately are one, right? They're unified and interconnected. Why is it, for example, that in just about every one of these UFO close encounter experiences, we have descriptions of not only manipulation of, of space and time, right? It feels like space and time are distorted, like maybe a few minutes on, on Earth time has passed, but the experiencer thinks that it's been multiple days or the opposite way, right? Like uh, the experiencer thinks it's just been like a couple minutes, but it's been multiple days, right? Not only that, but then as well, there's also this element of in these close encounter experiences, in hundreds if not thousands of different case reports, we have this phenomenon of telepathic communication. And this is a really weird and, and anomalous thing, but... Have you experienced hey, look, that? Um, well, yes. So in these, in these DMT experiences, just about in, in every case, when a person does describe interaction or communication with one of these entities, it's not like I'm opening my mouth and like verbalizing, speaking. It's consciousness to consciousness, like a mind transfer of information. And you know what, like uh, Rick Strassman, who's the world leading expert on DMT, the spirit molecule, he, he wrote the book called DMT, the spirit molecule, which by the way, was later turned into a documentary by the same title with Joe Rogan narrating it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my so buddy just, about- my buddy just interviewed him. I might have to reach out for his contact info, maybe have him on. Maybe you could jump on with me on that if you wanted to, bro. Oh, I would love to. I've actually interviewed him. Oh, you on, have? On my YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, I but I it. would love to. Um, so he writes in his book, and keep in mind, this guy, he's a doctor. He's a, he's a research scientist. Like, you know, grounded. <laughs> he talks about how there is this, like, and, and he even expresses, like, some hesitance to talk about it. He's like, I didn't think that it would go in this direction, but it did. All these entity encounter experiences, eventually, there's no choice but to acknowledge all of the parallels between DMT experiences and UFO close encounter experiences. And there are many similarities. So I can list just a couple of them. One is that frequently, the experience begins with uh, intense bodily vibrations and humming. Very interesting thing. A lot of people who experience astral projection say the same thing. It's like there's these vibrations, like this this humming, this energy as the experience starts. When you smoke DMT, this is the first thing that you feel, this intense radiant energy, like the whole nervous system is just electrified. feels kind of good, but it's intense. So the same thing with uh, UFO close encounters. Very often, people will hear a pitch, a tone, a frequency. They'll feel these intense vibrations. Then there's like moving into a light, emerging on the other side in a different space where space and time and sense of self have all undergone profound transformations. Emerging on the other side in a space that feels subjectively interdimensional encountering beings there, having telepathic communication with these beings, even thematic similarities about what that communication entails, right? So these are all similarities, like core characteristics and features that we see consistently in DMT experiences 
in UFO close encounter experiences, in astral projection, sorry, in near-death experiences, and a lot of these non-ordinary states, right? Very interesting. So there's a clear, clear connection. And one other, one other name that I'll mention, there is a UFO researcher called Dr. John Mack. And he is a legendary, he's no longer alive. He passed away tragically, actually, uh, in, in a car accident. But he was a Harvard-trained psychologist, uh, psychiatrist maybe, who was at the top of his game. I mean, this man was brilliant. I think he won a Nobel Prize for a book that he wrote, like extremely highly respected by all of his peers until he started getting these like case reports about people reporting UFO uh, encounters and UFO close encounter experiences. And something about that fascinated him enough that he then dedicated a huge chunk of his career just to investigating this phenomenon. Right. So he would go and meet with all these people who say that they've been abducted or taken into a craft or had these entity encounter experiences or whatever. And he would actually listen. Right. Not there to judge, not there to like be critical or skeptical or laugh at them. He would just listen. And then he would take all this data from all these different people all over the world, hundreds of these case reports. Right. And amazingly enough, there we find patterns emerge, people reporting the same things, the similar experiences, right? So Rick Strassman talks about John Mack's work in his book. Then John Mack on his website also talks about Rick Strassman's DMT research. And both of them are saying like, hey, everyone, do you see the parallels here? There's something to this. So again, this adds to the mystery of DMT, if you ask me. This adds to the whole multiverse theory thing. This adds to the mystery of consciousness. This adds to the mystery of the UFO, UF, UAP enigma. And it all very clearly points in the same direction. I'll say it again. We're multidimensional beings in a multidimensional mystery, baby. And that's, that's, that, it is what it is, right? So again, like, I'll just I'll I'll just leave it at this. I do think that this is the next great scientific revolution when we finally open these doors the, and finally begin to recognize that well there is way more to life and the mystery of existence mm-hmm. than this one physical universe. Jonas, I just want to say I love your passion for this subject and I love the way that you put everything. I could never say it as good as you, bro. So I'm happy that you were <laughs> able to to really if anything, leave us with more questions and answers because right, this is right, one right. of those topics where I don't know, dude. You're kind of making me want to do psychedelics again. I might might <laughs> participate here soon because I just don't know, man. I just you're left with more questions and answers, and totally. but that's that's the beauty of it, right? Because it is, yeah. We're 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 right there, almost figuring out maybe just the tip of what reality really is. And then you're just sucked right back into like this abyss of what is happening. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're almost there. And then you're just, you take two steps through, what is it? Three steps forward and two steps back. Well, but we're getting there little by little. And I think this was really great, Jonas. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. We got to do it again and maybe talk about, I want to talk about the link of maybe perhaps this su- these substances and the ancient technology and how oh, yeah. maybe they intermingle and how 
maybe these places, because I know you, you went to South America and saw these megalithic structures. What role that all plays into this, this enigma? And I really oh, want to dive cool. into that yeah. next time once we get together again. And I enjoyed this, Jonas. Do you have any, any closing thoughts for the audience? No, I just wanted to say thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that. And I super enjoyed this conversation as well. And I love what you're doing with, with the podcast. Keep up the amazing work. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for the interview. Thanks for the great questions. And, um, hey, if you, if you do have that impulse to, you know, dip your toe back in the water, so to speak, with, with psychedelics, please feel free to reach out to me at any point. We can, we can talk, talk over like some of the best, best practices and dive a little more into that, that, that art of psychedelic navigation. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, thanks again, man, for, for having me on. And um, hopefully it's not another two years before I'm back <laughs> on the podcast. Right. Yeah, dude, for sure. We'll do it again. And actually after the first trip, I did consult with you. I remember us talking for, for, couple hours on the phone actually the, the a couple of days after it had happened so yeah you, you yeah. did i did consult with you because you are a more of a professional than i'll ever be but <laughs> jonas thank you so much for coming on man can you let the listeners know where they can find your work once again and i'll put everything in the description as well sure absolutely thank you yeah so if you if you on on, on youtube my um my channel is called cosmic consciousness with jonas and i hey i do talk a lot about the the topics that were covered today and in, in, in uh, this podcast and then my my website for my my psychedelic services is called innervisionpsychedelics.com uh, so those are those are the best ways to find me and I would always always love always love to connect I uh, would love to hear from from anyone who wants to reach out awesome thank you so much and I'll post those links in the description as well if you want to reach out to Jonas and his 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 YouTube channel, Cosmic Consciousness with Jonas. Really great stuff on there. It was one of the first channels that I encountered before beginning my podcast. And I honestly had no idea what consciousness even was when we had our first conversation. If you want to listen to that episode four of the one one podcast, check that out. <laughs> yeah, that it's been that long. So, dude, thank you so much. This is really fun. And we'll do it again very soon.